you are connecting both the spirituality with God as well as connecting with the land. That we can come and enjoy the land and be a part of it. Ice fishing, rabbit snaring, canoeing, and doing all those things, sitting and making a goose over the fire, all those things that be a, as a part of the culture and a part of how we can embrace what, who God is as our creator, um, but also our Lord and King. And so as we, as we look at, as we, as we recognize the needs of those four things, that is how we've based our ministry going forward. And some of you have been a part of our life build, have been a part of our family strengthening program, one of our, our main flagship of our organizations. And so it is a great privilege to share with you what God is doing in Northwind in regards to uh, the, this program, this place of finding a place for hope and healing. We, as uh, in a, about four hours from now, a plane will touch down in Thunder Bay and we'll bring a family from one of the northern communities. That family will be involved at Eagles Cove, our, our, our uh, center that's out in the country on, on Lottet Lake. And they will be a part of an intensive counseling week where that family will receive the counseling that they need, the support that they need, the encouragement in a, in a, in a place of community. And like Lana had a place where she landed in that small town where someone walked alongside her in that place and she came back to the community. So we trust this family as they journey with us, as we journey with them in the next week and in the coming months that follow. And we have seen many families come through Northwind. And we are so excited to see that what God is doing. I was told a while ago, a couple years ago, by one of our, uh, a colleague and another counselor who said, Benita, I want you to know that I was at a chief's meeting and the chief and Health Canada representative was there and there was other people in the community. And he, and, and he said, when, when, the, um, when, a, when a brochure of Northwind came up and the Health Canada representative said, well, no, I think that might be Christian, or that's Christian, or, or we're not going to send our people to a place that's got faith-based. And the chief stood up, said, if my people want to go to that, you will help them get there. And so we are rejoicing in the fact that there's these godly chiefs who are standing up and saying, this is what our people need. And we have incredible privilege of journeying with them and being a part of that in so many different ways. And so we are excited to see what God is doing and invite you into that. Praying for us this week and in the weeks that come as we follow, through with, follow up with this family as well as the other families that already have been through our doors in the last few weeks and months and, and over the last year or so involved in this program. We're also excited as I broke down the four strategic anchors, those things that hold us to what we are and what we aren't. The other part of that is to seeing other areas of the ministry continuing to grow. Five years ago, we had someone come up to us and say, well, I, there, it's not just once, we were doing a, a family event once a month, where we had the privilege of connecting with, again, with families in a fun activity, a place where we had a short devotional and a meal together, and the people themselves came, many of them from Limburg and other places, places where our crime rates are high, where we struggle with, with many different challenges. And they came and said, can we not just do this once a week, once a month, but can we do this once a week? 
And so we said, okay, we will absolutely do that. And they also said, and by the way, can we also have a longer Bible study or a longer devotional? I was like, I think we can figure that out. <laughs> and so we had the opportunity then to move into a weekly uh, Sunday gathering, thinking and wondering if anybody would show. And yet over these five years, there has never been a time that we haven't had 12, 15, 30, and it has now grown between 60 and 70 people coming every week. And actually, we are at a point where we are actually having to turn people away at the door because our facility doesn't have the space or the capacity to handle that. And so we are so excited at what God is doing. We also have some challenges ahead of us as how do we continue to serve? How do we continue to do and, and, and keep our doors open in ways and so that there's not being people being turned away on Sunday evenings because of our capacity? And so God is doing a great thing. I rejoice when I hear, as I walk by one of our buildings on a Tuesday, and I hear songs being sung and a, and a prayer, at a prayer time happening among our elders of our indigenous communities as they sing and worship and pray in their, in their native tongue of Ojikri. And we are so excited as we, as we see these things happening. We, can, we just finished up a week of camp where, again, the children are out at Eagles Cove, involved in, in much play and learning more about God as they've learned about the armor of God this summer. And so I want to, first of all, just share with you, as I have over the last few minutes, what God is doing, and thank you for your part. We know many of you pray for us, many of you come alongside us and, and are part of what God is doing through Northwind. And so thank you. And I also just want to express that there are many other places and, and ways that you can be a part of. These are our neighbors. This is the community that God has placed us in. And just as God placed the Israelites at a crossroads, I believe he has placed all of us at a crossroads. A crossroads across Canada, a crossroads going north and south, where we recognize that Thunder Bay is a hub for many people. Many people of the north, many people going traveling across, and we have an opportunity to continue to be a blessing in so many ways. And so again, just uh, continue to rejoice, and, and as you think of us, please continue to pray for us in those things. One of the areas I would ask that you continue to pray for, and that is in our enhanced program. We work a lot with the Dennis Franklin Camarty High School, our Indigenous high school here in Thunder Bay. And as we step back into that again in this fall, we want to be involved in more programs there. More programs, uh, Jonathan Beardy, one of our staff, um, he's originally from uh, Bearskin, and he's a part of our, our team of Northwind, and he leads, leads the youth and young adults, and he goes in there together with Barra on a weekly basis in the school. But as we continue to, to build that and want to be engaged with the, with the people there and more, the retreats that we have, I know that there over the years, the church here has signed up to be involved in some retreats. I, I recall there was one or two of them that we got snowed out on and uh, couldn't actually run them. But again, as we anticipate doing those in the fall, and throughout the winter, we invite you as a church to be a part of that. Because what a privilege it is when the students coming in from the north and wondering where it's safe, and wondering who is safe to be with, and to be an encouragement to, to even smile and to recognize and to acknowledge that they're here and in, and, and in our city, and we want to welcome them and to be a part of supporting them in the time that they are away from their family and friends and their community. So I, again, invite you to be a part of that if you're able, and uh, we just 
continue to trust God in what he is doing. I'd like now to turn to a portion of scripture, 1 Peter 3.15, and I invite you to turn with me. I will not be having slides. I find I get more distracted than anything if I try and do the slides in the middle of speaking, so you're going to have to just uh, bear with me, and I will uh, hope to keep uh, your, the focus, uh, your focus, even though uh, there won't be slides to look at. So let's just, I know uh, uh, Scott has already prayed, but I just want to again commit this time as we look at his, at his scripture again to just, uh, to the Lord. Lord God, we just thank you again for what you're doing. We thank you that you have called all of us to be at a crossroads, to be at a place where we can serve others, to be a part, place where you invite us in, not because you need us, but because you welcome us into a place of serving one another. And so, God, I just pray, Father, that as we open your word and as we, that, that we might have ears to hear, I pray, Father, that you would guide me and guide the words that I speak. And if anything is, is not of you, Father, I just pray that you would just remove that, Father. And, Lord, we just again look to you for these things. May we trust you as you lead us into places that are hard. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to turn to First uh, Peter, uh, chapter three, and I'm going to read just uh, one verse in particular, and then I'm going to uh, so f- verses 15. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ might be ashamed of their slander. I'm going to reread the first part again. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. I've titled the message, Borrowed Hope, today. As we look at this, we can say, well, what would cause someone to question our, the hope that we have? What brings someone to ask and say, well, well, why are you hopeful? What brings that hope for you? Is it out of a place where we think that or where life is going well? Where life is just perfect and it's like, oh yeah, that's a, you've had a clear sailing, no worries. It makes sense that you have hope. Is that where we go to when we wonder how someone else has the hope that they have? It is often in the places where it is a struggle. My guess is that that is not um, because of the, in the midst, sorry, uh, my guess is not that we have just seen an easy life and therefore think that that person has hope because of it. I'm guessing it's because that in the midst of the trial, the challenge, the pain, that you believe God is bigger than that that moment, that experience. So as we look at this, this scripture and wonder, why, why did Peter say this in the midst of, of his letters? These letters of Peter was sent. Peter was one of the disciples, disciple that blew it at one point where he denied Christ. Christ called him the rock later, that he would be the, the, the rock of the church. And so as, as Peter writes this letter, this letter was to the Gentiles. To the people, not to the Israelites, but to the people who were, then these letters got circulated among the churches. 
sent from church to church to encourage the people in the midst of their persecution, in the midst of their challenges. And it was, it, it was there that he, that he encouraged them and reminded them. And he used a couple of the things as he did that. He began to use imagery, imagery that would have been known by the Israelite people, imagery of a chosen people, imagery of an inheritance, imagery of, of new birth, of being a part of a family, of being free. These were imageries that he instilled in the scripture in the first few chapters where we see that, that he was sharing those, not to the Jews who would have actually recognized those and said, oh yes, we are the chosen people. Or, oh yes, the Israelites, we were freed from Egypt. But to the Gentiles, inviting them in to be family members, to be part of the family of God. And he talked of new birth in 1 Peter 1.3, 1, 3, and part of being a belonging. When we are born and are entered into a family, whether by birth or adoption, we are then be part of that family. We belong there. In 1 Peter 2, verse 16, there's a new identity, that we are free men, that we are free from the, the sin that so easily entangles us. In 1 Peter 1, 4, we recognize that we, are in, that we have an inheritance. And that inheritance is something that is in heaven that won't rot, that won't, that won't disappear, and that is uh, refined by fire through that, th through that, that it's not something that just disappears. Peter was encouraging them in the midst of their trials that it was where any hope, sorry, that it is in that where our hope will be questioned and we will have the opportunity. It's in that place where the people were being persecuted that Peter reminds them be prepared because when people see your persecution, when people see your trials, when people see your challenges, and you still have hope, then they will question you. And will you be prepared for that answer, to give them that answer? And that hope is first and foremost in Christ, in the fact that we have that in God, that relationship. But it is also so much more than that, that we have him and, and, and here. It's not just for eternity. So Peter encouraged them in the midst of those, tra those challenges. And I'd like to read now Romans 5, verses 1 to 5. Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since you have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. And, rejo and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. The way that we get hope is through the perseverance, 
through building of our character, that is where, that, that in the sufferings, and as we persevere through those sufferings, our, our character is developed, and as our character develops, then we have that hope, that hope that will not disappoint, that hope that holds us in the midst of the darkest and most difficult times. And so it is through those challenges, not through the easy times. Hope that is born out of suffering is the real deal. Because when we are hurting, when, we are, when somebody comes to us for comfort, they don't come to us often when we haven't experienced any suffering. They come to us because they know that we've, we've suffered and we've struggled and therefore are able to come alongside and offer hope that is real. And so in that place, we can hold on to that, that it's in the challenges often of where that growth happens. I'd like to take a few minutes now to, to uh, do a comparison between 1 Peter and Exodus 15. Now, if you turn to Exodus 15, you will realize that the people had just left the promised land. They're rejoicing, they're excited, they have just crossed through, I'm sorry, they're, yeah, they're on their way to the promised land, they have just crossed through uh, the Red Sea, there's great excitement, and they hit the wilderness. First thing, and how many days can we go before we begin to get really parched and thirsty, wondering if we're going to make it? And that excitement and the, the shouts and the cheers of Miriam soon begin to fade and we begin to wonder what's going to happen next. And so as we look at, at those two places, God was inviting them into become his people. He had chosen them. Just like uh, Peter was trying to say, God has chosen you. And you are now part of his family. The Israelites were on this journey of discovering how, what it meant to be his chosen people. They were also on, this, on a journey of being able to, to, to move from what it was like to be slaves, that's where their identity was, into being free. And what that meant to being able to do and to follow God out of that freedom. And then the hope and the future that they had. Where was God leading them into? And again, as we, as we look at that, it is through the challenge and God did not dismiss them from the challenge. He led them to the waters of Mara. And that is where that challenge first is. And so if you turn to Exodus 15, and I find it interesting that it doesn't take it, how quickly from rejoicing to God leads us into the next challenge. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled. Sorry, I'm gonna, it's Exodus 15, verse 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made a decree and a law for them, and there he tested them. 
He said, if you listen to carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in, in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. And the very verse after that, then, he came to, then they came to Elam, where there was 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. I often wonder, uh, God could have bypassed the waters of Mara. He could have just like zipped them along. The 12 springs are right there. Why did he have to bring them to these bitter waters? What was that about? And there in, in the verse it says that God tested them. Now in our society, in our, in our mentality, testing is because you, you write a test, because the teacher wants to know if you really got everything that they, you needed to know. Right? And then if you do, you move on to the next thing or the next grade or whatever. But that's not what testing is when God is testing us. Testing was, was to acquire knowledge, not to test knowledge. So God was trying to give them knowledge, to show them about himself, and that's what he was doing in that. It wasn't he was, he, they just, they had just been delivered. It wasn't like God was saying, okay, here's your test. Do you know what it means now that to follow me, to do this, to do this? They hadn't even been given instruction yet. Because uh, Mount Sinai, where they got the Ten Commandments, was yet to come. So they had not yet been given the instruction. So he was not testing them to check to see if they knew all their knowledge. He was trying to teach them something. He was showing them something. And, I, uh, and so what was he doing? Now I read, I don't know if any of you read, but the, in the, it's called uh, through, Way Through the Wilderness by Jamie Buckingham. He begins to describe a little bit about what that means. What it would have been like to come along into that, that water of Mara. And even to this day, those, those springs exist that are bitter to the taste. And he describes, he says, there is so much magnesium in that water that if you even have a teaspoon of that, you will be running for days. <laughs> so, can you imagine? You've got parched, feeling a little parched myself, but I don't think I've had a three-day drought. So, you go and you, you, you find, you, you see a, a palm and you realize, okay, there's water. There's water and all the cattle and everything gets rushing to the water. You start drinking. And according to what, what the, uh, Buckingham says, he says, immediately, you'd be running the other direction. Can you imagine the Israelites and the amount of Israelites heading to wherever they had to try and deal with this? And they cried out to Moses, what are you, what are you doing? You're, we're going to die now. And he says in that place is just as, he, just as God was removing the people from Egypt, God also was removing Egypt from the people. Because in Egypt, they had already dealt with plagues, frogs, flies, all these things that were there. And most of that hit the, Israel, the Egyptians, not the Israelites. But there was much disease in Egypt. And even to this day, there is a, there's a disease that, that is part of, because of the Nile River, and many of the peasants in Egypt continue to struggle with these with, with dysentery and other challenges because of the parasites that live in the Nile and because of them drinking it. 
So God was trying to remove those parasites from their systems. But so quickly, they complained and grumbled. According to what the studies are, if you drink magnesium, eventually you'll have the runs. You will have the runs immediately, but after that, <laughs> your system will get used to it, and you will be able to, to handle it and get the, the water that you need in the magnesium. The other thing that was found in those waters, even to thou, is calcium and magnesium. And that combination is what athletes who, who uh, it's, called, it's the basis of dolomite, which is part of what uh, athletes who are going to train or run in the heat and in the sun, things like that, they take that in pill form to prepare their bodies, their muscles for working in the sun. So here we look at a story, a quick little verse where we say, why did God bring them to the bitter waters? And, you, and, and now through research you can go, oh, there might have been a couple of reasons. We do not know the reasons that God did it, but we can begin to see a little bit more, well, it would make a little bit of sense. He was trying to clean out their system so they would not get the diseases of the Egyptians, as he promised in that verse following. But he was also preparing them for what was yet ahead. And so we sometimes want to push away at the bitter waters that God gives us. They are just like, God, why are you giving me this? Why do I have to live through this? Why is this happening? And yet it is in those places, I believe, that in there, he is teaching us perseverance. In the perseverance, we are gaining character. And in the character, we will get hope. And from there, that in that same place, Jesus in Gethsemane asked God to take away this bitter cup that he was to drink. And yet he chose not to. He said, but not, your will, but not my will, but yours be done. And he was willing to drink that bitter cup that we are so often not willing to drink in different ways when he brings challenges our way. Because God is not so much about having us have a, a great an easy life. I don't know if anybody has any of those, has that. But of building our character that we can, because of what he has in store for us. And developing us into the people of him, people of God, that he's calling us into be. And that from there, that we can also offer hope. That we can offer this hope that is unmeasurable because of the challenges that we've gone through, not because of the easy life. As a counselor, I sit with many people and recognize that it is often in the very middle that is the darkest. It's like a tunnel. At the very beginning when you enter a tunnel, for those of you that are kids, like, oh, exciting, we get to go through a tunnel, right? And it's, at first, you still see the light from the back. And when you're exiting the tunnel, you begin to see the light that's, that's ahead of us. But in the middle of that can be the darkest, scariest time, where we don't know whether we should turn back <laughs> and forget trying to work through our stuff, deal with our past, or whether we can actually have the strength to keep going. And it's in that darkest place 
that I think that we need to lend people our hope. I often say that whether I'm working with couples or families or individuals, in those places where they hit that middle ground where they say, I don't think I can go on. And it's there that I say often, I will lend you my hope because I know the end of the tunnel will come. It just right now feels really, really dark. So those of us, as we're building, I mean, all of us, God is building our character and being able to give us hope that we can then offer that to others, that we can lend that to others, knowing that God has much more in store for us. And so as we look at those things, as we recognize that it, those, in those deepest, darkest experiences, those ones where we wonder if we really will get through it, that it is that place that our hope is becoming more and more genuine. I remember through a time that, that we faced as a family through... Uh, just a difficult time uh, about five, six years ago. And my daughter was, was really struggling. And I said to her, are you okay? And she said, I'm not right now, but I know someday I will be. And I have often quoted her because that's often what it is about being in, but just in hope of saying, I'm not okay right now. And to admit that and to acknowledge that and to know that but there, to also say, but I know someday I will be because I know that God will carry us through this. And that is the hope that gets people asking, where did that come from? How did you get that? Because I want that too. So I want to challenge us as we look again at this place. And, I, and, and as we read again, I'm going to read again in 1 Peter. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared, prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to the, give the, hope, the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. If we, if we give our hope too quickly, oh, you'll get through this, don't worry about it. We dismiss it. We disregard the person's pain. We don't recognize what they're really going through. And so we do it with gentleness and respect when they come ready to say, hey, how do you have that hope? Because right now I need that too. And so I think that so often we can harm one another in the, in the body of Christ by dismissing it too quickly, by not recognizing what the pain is, or trying to get them to the other end of that tunnel. Say, look, 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 and dragging them through the, the tunnel to get to the other side of where the light is. And the work that, that God brought them there for, how, in some ways, sometimes he has to repeat it. Because he had a plan 
a plan to get the Egypt out of us, just as he had done with the Israelites, wanting to get those things out of their system. That was a physical system, but out of our spiritual systems so that we can continue on. And so in that place, how do we do it respectfully? How do we do it caringly? And, it need, and as, we, as we go through that suffering, that we recognize that it becomes in the, into the very fabric of who we are. So be ready to give an answer for the hope. Be ready to recognize that you belong to the body of Christ. And in that, through that relationship with God, we know that we have, can stand on that steadfast place. I am a child of God. In that place of identity, where we struggle and say, well, am I worth anything? We can recognize that in Jesus Christ, because of the sacrifice he gave, he deemed us worthy because of what he did. Not because of what we do, but because of what he has done on that cross. And we also recognize that it is our, our competency, our sense of, of who we are not, is not in what we can accomplish. But it's again what God is doing, and we get an incredible opportunity to join him. One of my favorite authors is Henry Blackaby. And the quote that I often say, look to see where God is moving and join him. And that's where our sense of competency is. For some of us, he uses a disguise like a teacher or a plumber, a truck driver, whatever. And we wear disguises, not to hide ourselves, but we have a, a, a disguise that sh and we are out there still proclaiming God. And for others, we don't. And it doesn't matter which one it is. We are all called to do the same work of following hard after God and looking to see where he's working and to be a part of that. And that's where our competency comes. Not on what we are doing on a daily day, day basis, but on what he calls us to do. And I am confident that he has called each of us to be a part of his business because that's what the scripture reminds us. So as I close for today, I just again want to encourage us as we go through the trials, as we come upon the waters of Mara, and it's pretty bitter sometimes, that we trust that God has a reason for it, and we can recognize that it is in that place, through perseverance, that our character will grow. And in that place, our hope will be a, a hope that is so genuine, so powerful, that people will say, how did you get that? Because I need that too. And so let's pray. Father, I just again come before you. I thank you, God, that, that you are a God who knows what we need. You know the tests, not to, te to, to figure out whether we pass a test, Lord, but the test to know that the knowledge that you want to establish in our hearts. And so, God, I pray that through those bitter places that we go at times, God, that we would trust in you. Father, may we have respect and gentleness as we share our hope. And may you be honored and glorified in all of our actions, in all of our words, and in and, and our following heart after you. So God, we thank you for what you're doing. 
In Jesus' name, amen.